0: Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I am a hypnotherapist, a coach, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm really excited about this guest that I'm speaking to this week. It's Michelle Ellman. She's the author of the book, Am I Ugly?, she is scarred not scared on Instagram. You might have heard of her. She is an incredible body positivity role model and speaker. She's a TEDx speaker and she has an incredible story and an amazing message. She is someone that has had a really difficult start in life and she's gone on to turn it around and just has this incredible attitude and brilliant way of really eloquently putting into words the reassuring message that we all can learn to love and accept ourselves no matter what we've gone through and I'm sure to some extent this is something that we can all relate to and so we have a brilliant discussion about what body positivity actually is and Michelle gives us her take on it. We talk about Michelle's message for you if you have ever thought you're ugly and she also shares specific techniques that you can do right away to start to feel happier in your body. Now this is one of my favourite conversations that I've had for the podcast. I think you're going to love Michelle so I really hope you enjoy this. I also just want to let you know that my online course Your Calmest Self is launching at the beginning of March 2019 and it's an online programme that is designed to give you the tools to manage your own anxiety. So if you're somebody that wants some extra support, perhaps you're you've tried therapy and haven't got the results that you wanted or you're in a waiting list for therapy or maybe you just want something extra to go alongside what you're already doing, this online program gives you loads of tools, loads of support. There are going to be live calls with me and also videos and exercises that you can follow at your own pace and people have really found this has changed their lives. I also incorporate an aspect of hypnotherapy, which is my number one tool for helping people with anxiety to really reprogram the subconscious mind to get your subconscious mind on board with becoming that calm person that you really want to be. And I only run this course twice a year so it'll be another six months until it opens again but the doors open first week of March so keep an eye on your emails if you're on my newsletter or keep an eye on my Instagram around that time if you're keen to explore whether this programme could be right for you. So let's get into the episode with Michelle Elman. Welcome Michelle, thanks so much for joining me today, how are you? Thank you so much for having me, I'm good really good to chat to you i absolutely loved your ted talk i was moved to tears i'm sure you've heard that before um it was really just powerful beautiful i related to a lot of what you said and yeah so thank you for being so brave and and saying what you say and doing what you do <laughs> I think it's quite amazing oh, thank
1: you so much that's probably going to be the most eloquent moment in my life but I'm very grateful that it was recorded yeah yeah so that I could keep that as my memory as my most eloquent moment in my life
0: brilliant brilliant yeah it did amazingly can you can you share with us a bit about your story and how you got to where you are today yes yeah, so um
1: I've had 15 surgeries from a brain tumor a punctured intestine an obstructive bowel cyst in my brain and a condition called hydrocephalus and all of those operations left me with scars and throughout my childhood particularly and also throughout my adolescence I was really insecure about my scars and that kind of dictated a lot of my life and so throughout my life I was kind of always trying to find the solution and for the most part I thought the solution was to not talk about it scars make people uncomfortable and I quickly had learned that when I was 10 years old and then, I wore a bikini for the first time, and my scars, especially the ones in my stomach, were met with looks of shock, pity, and horror. And that's when I was like, okay, well, we just won't talk about it. They don't exist if no one sees them. And fully clothed, you can't see the majority of my scars. Um, But then throughout moments of my childhood, I found it's not that easy there were moments I have a scar on my upper chest and I had a moment where someone pointed at it and said my nipple was showing um and I have scars on my ankles and I had a time when someone like said my I looked like I have cankles um and so like even though the majority of my scars were hidden it still kept coming up and then eventually I was 15 and kind of realized I'm not the only one who's insecure all my friends are really insecure as well and they might not be talking about scars but they're talking about their weight every single day and it was kind of juxtaposed with the fact that I went to a school that was all about empowered women and embracing your power and we were all like young ladies who are going to succeed in the world blah 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 and I was like, we're talking about all this stuff. And then we go to lunch and all we do is talk about how much weight we want to lose. Like, are we not better than that? But also, do we not deserve better than that? And also, it's just boring. And so I started saying that to my friends. And um, I realized that every time you vocalize these negative opinions about yourself, you actually draw more attention to them. So I stopped um, I still thought negatively about my body, but I just stopped vocalising them. And I guess that, in hindsight, began this body-positive journey um, where I started addressing a lot of um, th- my, my thoughts about my body, but at the time I thought they were facts. Um, and then I really started addressing it when I went to uni because I realised that if I ever wanted to have a relationship, um, and particularly like in the bedroom... It's just not it's this whole, oh, let's not talk about my scars wasn't very logical, because then the first time I would ever talk about my scars was with a guy who I really cared about when I never even had the conversation with my friends. So I realized that didn't particularly make sense and started talking to my friends about it and saying, like, do you think there will be someone who will love me despite my scars? Do I need to explain myself before I take my top off? Like all of these questions started coming up. Um, and I was finally, especially in uni, I I was finally in a friendship group that didn't become instantly awkward around the conversation, and that's when I really started growing in body confidence, and um, once I graduated with a degree in psychology, I became more passionate about helping others find their own body
0: confidence. Wow, amazing, amazing that you were able to take something so difficult and and turn it around and even influence it sounds like other people around you at that early age to to have less of those conversations about weight and because it's amazing I think I think you mentioned this in one of your talks that I saw that um I think you said a friend would get up and do their makeup in the morning and yeah I actually did that. I did that at 19. I had a boyfriend and I, when if he stayed over, I would get up in the morning and put bronzer on and put eyeliner on because...
1: And then sneak back into bed. It's, it's horrendous, isn't it? And yeah. I,
0: I, it just reminded me of that when I saw you talking about that.
1: And what's funny about that is in my TED talk, I do cry twice, I think. And after I finished, I, I had a few friends in the audience and they were like, you do know you weld up at points when you were talking about other people? And that was one of the moments I start Like I have to stop because I'm crying because I just think it's so sad. And I think especially in the context of my life where I've had 15 surgeries before the age of 19 and I was so young. The main thing I care about and I guess my main passion in life is the fact that we have this illusion that we're all guaranteed to live till 90. And that's not the case. And when you think about like it's the small Relatable moments like the fact that people wear makeup to bed and then they like rush in the morning to get out of bed and then to hide back into bed with makeup. Where I'm like, you're not living your full life, and how much like you don't know how much time you have left. And that's such a morbid thought. And especially the fact that I'm having like these particularly morbid thoughts at such a young age is unusual, but it gives me broader context in life that like this is important. And that's generally what I think about um, body insecurities is like when you die, your body's not going to matter at all. But what will matter, and especially uh, when I was hospitalized when I was 19, is you will have all of those memories of all the times you missed out because you thought you were too fat. You thought you were too ugly. You thought no one would want to date you. All of these opportunities you missed out on. That's what I care about. Um, and I think that's why in that moment in my TED talk I just get quite emotional because I'm like it, I can't even remember what the examples I used but one of them was the makeup one one of them was like people have sex with the light off um, people aren't joining in I remember for me personally I would never go to I love dancing I'm awful at dancing I'm still awful at dancing years later even though I've gone to a dance class like five times a week but I would never go and I never gave my opportunity to enjoy that, gave myself the opportunity to enjoy that because I was like, no, I'm going to be the fat girl in dance class. I don't want people staring at me. Um, And I just think about those moments and I'm like, I missed out on so much. And when I was 19, that's all I thought about. And it's really strange because you think you will it like in deathbed moments and what you're going to regret when you look back on your life, you think it's going to be the big things, but it's not. And I remember the biggest thing for me in like, so I was hospitalized for six weeks when I was 19 and all I thought about, there was one night, it was like really cold. It was raining or snowing or something, but it was cold and it was horrible outside. Um, And my friend invited me to a card game and I love card games and our card games used to last at like three o'clock in the morning um and I didn't go because it was cold and wet and I I also in my head I remember going oh it's such a far walk it was a 20 minute walk and I thought about that night for six weeks and was like why did I not go I would give anything right now to spend time with my friends I would give anything right now to have people to play a card game with to like laugh and joke till three o'clock in the morning and I didn't go because what it's cold wet and 20 minute walk (laughs) like are you joking Um, And it's that moment that stuck with me for a full six weeks and people think it's going to be like this grand thing that you're going to regret, but it's not. It's the small things. It's the um, moments in your life when you were just a little bit too lazy or you took everything for granted a little bit too much.
0: And I know from people that I've spoken to, there's so many people who... know they feel their clothes are a bit too tight so they don't they don't go out or they've got nothing to wear so they don't go out and it is very common that because we don't feel about good about how we look we hold ourselves back in so many areas and yet you know it took you having almost like a near-death experience to reevaluate what was actually important.
1: Well it's funny because I wrote I talked about this on my Instagram I think it was like two days ago I didn't actually, (laughs) it wasn't a near death experience. It was two near death experiences. Like I actually learned nothing the first time. All that happened. So my two major bulks of surgeries were 11 and 19. All that happened after I left hospital, I made all these promises to myself, the same promises I made at 19. Like we're not gonna take life for granted. We're gonna appreciate every moment. All that happened when I left when I was 11, though, is I used that and became scared of my own life because from 11 to 19, I was so scared of going back into hospital. I actually did less than I did before I went into hospital before before I was 11. Um, and it took the second time, it took being 19 and being like, wait, how am I back here again? I did everything right for eight years. I made sure I didn't do anything that would... I basically lived in fear of ending up in hospital and then ended up in hospital. Um, and that was what broke it for me. So I was joking on my Instagram page being like, I don't believe in second chances. I needed the third chance to like wake up and realize and not take my life for granted. And thankfully, it stuck after, <laughs> after my hospitalization at 19. So I have not need to go into hospital again. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm sure it's is it Steve Jobs or something that says the thing that motivates him or used to motivate him the most when he was alive obviously was contemplating his own death and thinking one day I'm going to be dead what am I going to do today to make today count you know what am I going to focus on so it sounds morbid in a way but I I think it's powerful I think there are so many people who
1: actually do think about that there's one person I follow called Gary Vaynerchuk Gary V online and he said I remember he was like it was some video clip of him and someone stopped him in the middle of the street and he was in his car and he was like, give me three words to motivate me. And he was like, you're going to die. <laughs> Just like rolls up the window and drives off. And I was like, that's so great, but it's true. And I think it's so strange because we're so scared of death that we don't talk about it. But then at the same time, we almost have this naivety where we don't consciously realize that we are genuinely going to die at some point. Um and that's probably due to the fear as well, um, that we don't want to think about it. But it is it is so useful when it comes to giving your life context and perspective and um so much of and it doesn't necessarily have to be something as big as what I'm going through, what I went through with my health, but like even if your family member is going through something with your health, you suddenly get this gift of being like, all this stuff I worry about is not important. Um, and it's quite funny because 2018, I had quite a tough year and I complained about it all year. And then I like something really, really bad happened at end of 2018. And I like started 2019 with what exactly bad happened in 2018 that was that bad? Cause like I had this broader context cause I had a family member who just, who wasn't very well. Um, and I was like, I complained. year about all of this like small stuff that was going on everything seemed to be going wrong in 2018 and then I ended the year with like this massive broader context of like wait none of that mattered and I wasted a whole year so I do think like it's just human nature you do slip back into the ebb and flow of life and you do take things for for granted and um, I'm still not perfect by any means there are days where I like complain and quibble about like the smallest thing but I think when I have those moments and from my memories in the past it does help me to like ground myself in what's important and what's not
0: yeah absolutely and hopefully people listening can just get some of that perspective from you and and start to change their own perspectives from hearing your story well that's the that's the thing that kind of drives
1: me is that I just hate the idea that you have to go as go through as much pain as I went through in order to get that lesson and so I try to share that lesson with others without them having to have experienced what I experienced but I do think sometimes the emotional weight of it is not the same to like like um instigate that change but even if it does a little bit, it's worth saving someone from that extent of pain in order to learn that lesson.
0: Totally, totally. You you mentioned that all all of this has has taken you on a journey of body positivity. What is body positivity to you? So body
1: positivity, so there's a lot of confusion between the word body confidence and body positivity. So when I define body positivity, I actually tend to Differentiate it from body confidence. So body confidence is um, loving your body, your relationship with your body, um, but body positivity is addressing the marginal the marginalization of certain body types and the oppression those body types face. Um, And that's where those two things are different because body confidence is a personal thing, it's your relationship with your body, whereas body positivity is addressing the systemic issue. Of the fact that there are certain people with certain body types who are oppressed and marginalized and don't receive adequate medical treatment um, and are even stigmatized in a doctor's office, um, let alone walking down the street. And that is what I believe body positivity is about. But there's people use the two words interchangeably. And in my head, they couldn't be further from further from each other. And I wish there was more educational understanding around the difference between the two conversations because using them interchangeably doesn't benefit um, both the oppressed and the people who are benefiting from the privilege.
0: That's so good to have that distinction because there are a lot of phrases kind of flying around, body neutrality, self-worth, all these things, and it is good just to know exactly what things are because they are different things
1: but also like people disagree on it so i've always said body neutrality is a part of body positivity like but some people are like no body neutrality is a different movement and i'm like but no like to me body neutrality was just the first step like it is part of basically when i was 15 and decided to stop vocalizing negative opinions about myself that was essentially body neutrality i didn't love my body I didn't particularly care for my body. I just stopped thinking about my body. Like, it just existed. Um, But I don't believe it's a separate thing because I still believe that's body positive or body confident, which is actually, like... This is what I mean by, like, people... There are a lot of people who go... um, oh well I can't be body positive like I hate my body and I'm like no you can't be body confident because you hate your body you can be body positive though and you can agree with the representation of every body type and the fact that every like no body type should be stigmatized for their shape or their size or the fact that um, they're not healthy um, and that's different so like you can literally be body positive today but body confidence is going to take a bit longer
0: okay yeah that makes that makes sense can can you talk a bit more about that about the stigma that exists and the biases that exist because often these biases we're not even aware of are we and we could be you know discriminating against people we have maybe good intentions but actually it's just we need to educate ourselves and realize the things that we're unconsciously doing
1: i think yeah the biggest bias i would say and it's one i'm particularly passionate about because of my own health issues is this assumption that from someone's appearance you can assume their health and also well from their size particularly you can assume their health um but this works on both ends of the spectrum just because someone's thin doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy just because someone loses weight doesn't mean they're they're getting healthier um as i just mentioned earlier like i'm going through a really like hard phase of my life right now and I've been losing weight but like it's not necessarily for positive reasons it's because I've just been like so stressed at the moment and honestly it's just so frustrating every time I see anyone being like you've lost so much weight you look so good you're doing so well I'm like you've not even asked me how I am and you've made that assumption that I'm doing really good because I've lost weight Um, and it actually becomes a little bit more dangerous when it comes to all of these implicit um, unconscious biases actually end up affecting people when it comes to, um, what affects plus size and fat people when they go to doctor's appointments. Cause the first thing that they get is you should lose weight, but then they aren't actually checked out. And it's why so many fat people don't get diagnosed as early as thinner people, because the weight thing is the first thing they look at. And BMI has already been disproven so many times and they're still using that as a gauge and actually when you look into it a lot of it is because of insurance reasons and not because of actually that it's a good test of health and even the people who created BMI said it was never meant to be used in isolation but that's not what happens in a doctor's appointment you walk in and you have a morbidly obese BMI or an obese BMI um, and that's the first conversation that comes up and I I mean, I've spoken about it on my page, and when I do, the comment section is just so sad, because it's people who are going in with a broken arm, and getting a 30-minute lecture about gastric bypass, when they're like, but my arm's broken, and she gets to the end of the appointment, and they're like, oh yeah, you need to go to emergency services if you've broken your arm, so she was like, well, why have I sat in a 30-minute appointment and listened to all of this to not even get the treatment I needed, Um, but this happens more and more, and I think even if you're not a doctor just as a general public i think we need to remove this association that weight loss is always good or always healthy because so many of the ways that people lose weight aren't healthy and aren't prioritizing health it's prioritizing um aesthetic reasons if we're really honest with ourselves like a lot of if you look at the magazine covers and what they're actually selling they're selling beauty they're not selling health um like all of these headlines which are like get get Um, get thin quick. Do we really want to say that's about health? Like, you get slim in seven days. Really? You trying to sell that as health? Because that's not health. That's beauty. That's people wanting to be the beauty ideal as quickly as they can. Um, And I just think on a personal level, you can start addressing that by not making assumptions about someone's health. And when I get a lot of people online because of my following lecturing me about my own health, and I'm like, isn't it ironic? I've had 15 surgeries all of those surgeries happened before I gained any weight. But everyone thinks that my surgeries are due to my weight. Not a single person ever thinks that my weight gain could be due to my surgeries. And like that, when you're hospitalized for three months, when you come out, especially when you, a lot of my surgeries and hospitalizations meant I couldn't eat for three months, your body goes into starvation mode. And I talk about that in my book quite a lot, um, that you are lying in hospital, you're getting complimented stop on your weight loss, which happens like even at when I was 11 was happening all the time. But in your head, you know that it's not going to stay because your body's sustaining, being sustained by an IV drip that's feeding you 500 calories. Um, and then as soon as you leave, you start gaining weight. And actually what I got met with a lot of the time was you've just come out of hospital. You really should be looking after your health. Why are you gaining weight so quickly? Like, looking after your health, like surely me looking after my health is me gaining weight, because I have to go back to eating normally. And I'm not going to live off a drip for the rest of my life that is healthier. But just because it results in weight gain doesn't necessarily mean that it's unhealthy.
0: It's Such an interesting topic. I think it's, it's strange, isn't it? Why do you think people feel as if they have the right to sort of comment about that to someone? Because is it, it seems like A topic where people seem to think it's okay to say that but where it is an assumption it's a judgment you don't know the whole story you don't know anything about you know the person's health or what they're experiencing I think
1: fear drives a lot of it um I think we are sold this idea that if you diet um not diet well if you are thin lose enough weight you exercise enough you um you get to be healthy like that is it's a choice and that's the message that's being pumped up it's a choice if you do all these things if you tick all these boxes you'll be healthy but actually that's not how it works and there are people who like me who get ill for no reason whatsoever and I mean I even get it with journalists where they'll be like but why did all these things happen to you and I was like there's no reason I literally got born with half of this stuff and then new things just started happening but people are always trying to figure out the reason why and people and i personally believe it's the fear of death that drives it because if we can control our mortality by being good enough when it comes to health and lifestyle and exercise then we don't we don't have to be and because if you think about it the main thing main thing told to fat women online is you're gonna die like it's all about the fear of death and because they look at fat people as the embodiment of that that fear when they look at a fat person they genuinely i think it sometimes resonates within them that they actually can't control their own morbid their own morbid their, their own morbidity um and so like one of the main beliefs i have is that it's all driven by the fear of death and um the love of money um because also so much of it is businesses profiting off of insecurities
0: mm, totally and just from an anecdotal perspective, as a therapist, I hear all the time you know, women who look back in their lives and, and, and can pinpoint getting compliments for losing weight or getting bullied for being overweight as being a source of why they maybe have problems with eating or they have an eating disorder or something in later life. So we need to be so careful, I think, about what we say to people.
1: Um, but also when it comes to the relationship with eating if you are chubby as a teenager that's the main thing i see if you're chubby as a teenager you have so many people commenting on the fact you need to lose weight and already from a young age you're learning to not listen to your hunger signals at all and override it because you shouldn't be hungry you ate an hour ago when we never do that with with thirst if you're if you drank a glass of water 10 minutes ago and you're thirsty again you just go get another glass of water you don't go well, why am I thirsty? You don't judge yourself for being thirsty again, but we have warped our relationship with hunger and food where we think we know better. But even worse than that, we think these apps know better than our actual bodily signal. And we think that um, tracking it or counting calories, which has already been shown to be inaccurate most of the time, I think there's quite a, like, if someone tracks the calories in a day, like there's a leeway of 700 calories, which is actually a lot, um, considering that the, like, the daily thing for a woman is 2,000. Um, because it's never going to be as accurate as just listening to your stomach. And it doesn't matter why you're hungry an hour later. It matters that you are and that you should listen to that. And I believe that's part of respecting your body. Um, and, and also part of respecting your body is knowing how intelligent it is rather than overriding it because someone tells you you shouldn't be eating so much.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of just trusting trusting your body more, trusting that your body is incredibly intelligent. It's the most yeah. in- intelligent thing in the universe, in the known universe, so we can trust that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> best computer <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, one of the troubling um, statistics that you've talked about is that I uh, am um, am I ugly is googled 10,000 times a month yeah that's um, scary it's
1: so scary and that's why I call my bucket it because uh, the, it's not even the fact that it's googled that many times it's the fact that you're like it's not even it's us that many times it's the fact that you're googling it you're putting it on the internet the internet is known for being vile and that's the place you're gonna go to like build your se- self-esteem off of and um, I think the reason why it's Google that much is because there's a Reddit thread called "Am I Ugly?" and you put your picture up, and um, people rate you and give their honest opinions about you. But who says their opinions are right? And who says their opinions are more important than your own opinion? Um, and we act like so- when someone says, "Oh, you're ugly," we act as if that's the truth, that's fact. But it's just an opinion, and their opinion shouldn't matter if they're a stranger and someone you don't know. But especially when you lack self-esteem you value someone else's opinion more than your own and I just want to get back to a place where ugly is just doesn't have that much emotional weight um and I mean for me it doesn't because I have to say the words I'm ugly all all the time now (laughs) when you make it your book title like you get everything under the sun like (laughs) I have twitter trolls being like spoiler alert yes you don't need to read the book I could already tell you like that kind of thing. So I'm so numb to it. And I'm like, you know what, I really don't care if I'm ugly. Like, it's just not the most important thing in the world. For the record, I don't believe I'm ugly. But (laughs) if I did, it's just like, even if you did believe that, and you got on with your life and lived your life, it actually wouldn't have as much impact as people think. The reason why it does have impact is because you don't go on and live your life, that becomes the sole focus of your life. On either how to change it or how to hide away from the world because you're so ugly that you feel like you don't deserve any opportunities. Um, and that becomes a problem rather than the world itself, which actually like I I'd rather be an ugly person than a horrible person. I'd rather be an ugly person than someone who has accomplished nothing with their life. Um, and it's just not the central focus of my life, and I really don't care if someone thinks I'm ugly because my opinion is now more important.
0: I suppose it's, it's a label, isn't it, that, you, that sometimes we put on people, or people put on people, that doesn't, it can't describe a person. It's not a name yeah. for a person. It's a label that you can't call a person ugly because a person is so many things.
1: Well, that's the thing. I'm like, what actually is it telling you about me when you call me ugly? Nothing. Like, you're not telling me anything about my personality. You're not telling me anything about my accomplishments. You're literally telling me nothing about, apart from the first thing you saw when you met me. Like, <laughs> great. Well done. Let's move on to the next thing.
0: And I suppose it says more about the person saying that someone's ugly than it does about the person they're saying that to. Yeah, definitely. From that perspective, it's an ugly point of view.
1: I mean, the thing is, I just don't think there is objectively ugly and not. I think there are people you find more attractive in the world, but beauty and attractiveness is two very different things. Um, And I think we have... We have this thing around the fact that if you're ugly, then you're never going to find love. You're never going to be successful. And I think especially with women, we have this thing where if you're ugly, you don't get listened to. Like almost being beautiful is a criteria in order to be successful, in order to be listened to. And it's this perception, which I think we're, we're trying to change it from the w- wrong way around by being like, everyone's beautiful. I'm trying to say that it doesn't matter whether you're beautiful or not, because it really shouldn't be the focus anyway. And we can keep telling it. It's really important that people do believe they're beautiful. But at the same time, I'd also like people to realise that their body and their beauty doesn't matter as much as it does.
0: Absolutely. And I suppose whenever they do surveys into what is what is attractive, confidence comes up as the top thing. So yeah. should be working on just feeling good and about ourselves. And symmetrical faces. Oh, okay. <laughs> symmetrical faces. Yeah. So the thing is, like, I think the
1: thing with beauty is the fact that it's literally what you were born with. You can't do anything about it unless you actually want to go get surgery. And um, I, like, I mean, you can get lip fillers and all that stuff, plastic surgery. Um, but it's just what you were born with. So it's literally luck of the draw. So the people who are also getting... Because I sometimes think it's something that's used to one up people is like, oh, I'm beautiful. Therefore, I'm better than you. But what? Because you won the genetic lottery because it's literally a lottery. Like the chance of you being beautiful is literally like it, it isn't even really determined by your parents. Because like there have been so many people were like, you know, all those quizzes online where they're like, oh, you'd never guess what their parents look like. um, And It's that thing of like, I don't understand how you're better than anyone just because you got lucky when you were born. That's all it is.
0: And I suppose as well, sort of beauty is fleeting. You know, we all hopefully are going to get old. We're all going to, the way we look is going to change. So it is, it's not even a firm thing to grab onto anyway.
1: The thing is, it's not, it's. It's not even that beauty is fleeting. It's the fact that the beauty ideal is so narrow, and the beauty ideal doesn't include older women. And I say older women because there is such a double standard when it comes to men, where like men get better with age. They're like a fine wine, old fox, like, old fox got silver fox. <laughs> that's a phrase. An old fox,
0: yeah, oh, but... like an old
1: fox. <laughs> but like silver fox, that they're a bachelor If they're single, yeah. they're like a bachelor. Whereas like a woman, a woman is. Um, basically invisible as she gets older so like yes as women we're going to fall out of that beauty ideal even if you fit that beauty ideal when you're younger so if your whole goal in life is to fit within the beauty ideal then good luck because it does change so frequently and if it's not the fact that you're going to get older it's going to be the fact that thick eyebrows were in last year and now thin eyebrows are in so you need to shave your eyebrows off or um curves are now in but only curves where you have fat in your bum and fat in your boobs but nowhere else in your body and then like next year it'll be like being thin is in and size zero is in again it changes it's so it fluctuates so much that do you really want to pin your self-esteem to something that is so um unreliable
0: that's so true isn't it because you only have to look back at the last hundred years at the way yeah body shapes have come in and out of fashion and curves and skinny or in the even, 60s and even like the last 10 years
1: like mm. people have been doing those 10 year challenges and looking back at photos in 2009 and being like oh my gosh I can't believe I wore that and I'm like because the beauty ideal has
0: already changed in 10 years so interesting isn't it I wonder what things yeah. will be like in 10 years from now hopefully <laughs> a lot less pressured and mad as it hopefully is um are there any specific techniques or tools that you would suggest for people who want to just feel happier in themselves or in their bodies
1: um i so when it comes to being happy or happy in your body i think one of the best things you can do is go back through your life and remember a moment when um you were most happy in your body and actually look about look into that moment and realize what it was that made you happy and I know a lot of people are going to be like oh well I was thinner or all of that stuff but actually look at like the feeling what were you thinking at the time what were you feeling at the time um those are the things if you brought into today would actually make you more confident so one of like I I use this example more with um happiness versus depression, where I got a message the other day being like, oh, I'm really depressed, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, go through yesterday and be like, where in your life yesterday did you have a happy moment? If, let's say, the happy moment was the one second you woke up in the morning and completely forgot about all of your problems, then look at that and be like, what made me happy for that one second? What made you happy? Likelihood will be the fact that you didn't think about your day Whereas as soon as you actually properly wake up, all you do is replay these awful narratives about yourself and basically listen to your inner critic. And actually, what I found is if you go back to the happiest moment in your body, it's the time when you're not thinking about your body. It's when you're actually living in your body, because I think we have this. I think the problem with body positivity sometimes is it's created this illusion that we need to talk about our body more and more in order to fix our body confidence problems. But actually, the less we talk about our body, the more we live in our body. And talking about our body just creates um, these beliefs about ourselves that aren't necessarily true, but we have these like perceptions around who we are and how our body defines who we are. Um, And that's where I would start. I would also start with not, Um, vocalizing negative opinions about yourself because when you don't even if you think it a thought literally will disappear in one second if you say it out loud it lasts a lot longer and you actually reinforce that belief when you don't say it it almost has nothing to cling on to um but what what i use as in terms of coaching is um we all have beliefs there are limiting beliefs and there are beliefs that benefit your life um i call them convenient beliefs because they're not necessarily true but the things that i want to believe so like one of my convenient beliefs is that i'm beautiful i have no way to prove that i have no evidence for that particularly and i probably have the equal amount of evidence that i'm ugly from like people saying things on the street people saying things on instagram but I choose to believe that I'm beautiful because it's more convenient for me in my life. And I don't care which one's more accurate. I don't care whether the one that, that I'm ugly is more accurate. I care which one's more convenient. And that's what I start working with. Um, and with beliefs, it's basically a tabletop. The belief is a tabletop. And we build up these beliefs using evidence. And the evidence is the table legs. So it could be anything like, oh, that guy stared at me, stared at me on the street. Someone who believes they're beautiful will use that as evidence to build the belief I am beautiful. But someone staring at you on the street and you have the belief I am ugly, you're going to put another table leg on your tabletop being like, that's proof that I'm ugly. He stared at me on the street. But you don't know. And you've assumed what they're thinking based on the belief you have. So the problem isn't the events that are going on in your life. The problem is that you use the events to build up and boost the beliefs that already exist within you. So the main thing that people can do is start addressing the limiting beliefs that everyone has about their own their own body, their own life, um, and start knocking on his table legs and being like, well, okay, is there a chance he could be looking at something else? Is there a chance he was looking for good reason is there a chance that he literally was just thinking about something and you know when you stare in the distance all of that stuff all of that pokes holes in this suddenly like, your table leg was like a, this solid foundation of all this evidence and suddenly you've poked like three holes in it being like there are so many other possibilities with that um, and going through your life and usually it's a lot of things around childhood and upbringing And being like, well, my mum never thought I was beautiful, therefore I can't be beautiful. Okay, well, has your mum ever been wrong? Great, so could she be wrong now? Like, that kind of thing, poking holes in these beliefs that you see as fact is the best way to start.
0: I love that because our beliefs are so important. If you believe I'm confident, guess what? You will be confident. If you believe you're not good enough, you're going to hold yourself back and make that the truth. So finding that evidence is so key there's actually something called
1: the reticular activation system which means our eyes are drawn to the things that we already believe because your brain doesn't want to have cognitive dissonance um for people who don't know what cognitive dissonance means it's like a mis- mismatch with i mean that's the simplest way to explain it like a mismatch within your brain but you have this ac- reticular activation system in your eyes so that you don't create this cognitive dissonance so whatever you believe it's going to prove that it's true because your brain will otherwise be in this like confusion state um and that is kind of proof in itself that whatever you believe is going to shape the world you see
0: that is amazing isn't it so we need to supercharge those beliefs find the evidence and we're actually going to you know notice more and more of the reasons that is true when we do that yeah it's incredible thank you um just just wondering is there anything that you're struggling with at the moment and and how are you kind of overcoming that if that's okay to ask
1: yeah so i mean i mentioned it too, too many times on this podcast but i'm going through like some serious life situations with people in my life um and health reasons and whatever else um and i i mean i've said this so many times but i feel like it's so much easier for you to go through the health problems than see someone you love go through it um and how I, and I'm struggling with it in terms of like, it creates so much of a lack of control when you literally can't do anything and you're watching a family member in pain. Um, and what I'm learning to do right now is being really patient with myself because I am a really impatient person. And I'm like, well, I want to fix something. I want to be there, I want to help. Like, but sometimes there are situations where you can't do anything. Like it just is shit. And it's this its this period in my life where I'm having to be like, you know what? Nothing has to happen as fast as you think it should happen. Things are going to take its time, and I need to be okay with that. And being patient with myself in terms of there are days where I'm like, why am I not over this? I've known about this for two months now. I should be over this. And then there are days where I'm like, no, hold on. Like, there's not a timeline on when you get over this. Like, you don't have to fully process everything in one day you don't and I think because normally how I process things is like I'll sit down cry get it over with like feel my emotions and then it's done it's like resolved whereas this is more of an ongoing thing and it's almost such a big thing that I can't process it in one moment so I'll have like I'll listen to a song and then I'll suddenly get really emotional and I'm trying to just like slowly work through it at the moment um and I mean, it's great. It's a great lesson in patience. It's a great lesson in the fact that you can't control everything in life. Um, And it's also teaching me how to be better with my emotions. And it's also that thing of I've got this context of like all this stuff I complained about last year was not important. Um, And yeah, that's the thing I'm struggling with right now. And the thing that um, I'm probably going to struggle with for a couple more months. Um, But finding, finding a way to live your life whilst also processing like the rest of the shit going on with your life is a really good lesson in terms of like, I've, I've got really good at basically scheduling recovery times. So anytime I do anything, um, whether it's going on radio, going on TV, high intensity things, things I used to absolutely love. Now they're really draining for me because I am having to put on a bit of a front or a bit of a mask in order to like be okay um and it's like small little things like um I did an Instagram live the other day and someone asked me a question which is literally about like asking me for advice about the situation I'm literally going through right now and I've not publicly said what it is and just that question asking me that question made me emotional and so I've like it's fine because it's an in Instagram live, but if I'm on live TV, I don't want to burst out into tears. I want to be able to do my job or radio or all of that. So being able to be like, great, it's okay to put a wall up. It's okay to be like, let's go do our job now. It's fine, but in two hours, I need to get into my pajamas and just like collapse and like let it and have my recovery time in order to process everything else that's going on and not. And make sure this wall isn't a permanent thing that stays up, because I think the problem is when you plow through life and you have something serious going on is like that wall does become permanent. And you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just going to stay busy. But having creating time to be like, nope, you did something great this morning. You did TV this morning. Now take the wall down and actually just like process it. Um, and process everything else that's going on and all of the things that like came up this morning that you didn't want to think about because it wasn't the right time. Um, and learning how to do both those things is
0: currently what I'm going through. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure people can take something away from that for their own lives about that recovery time and just having patience and knowing that it's okay to feel what you're feeling and being patient yeah. with yourself. Thank you. Oh, this conversation has been so... Inspiring and interesting. Thanks so much for your time. It's been so lovely. Can you tell us where people can find out about you, what you're up to, what your social yes. media handles are? So
1: I'm at Scar Not Scared or Michelle Elman on most things. Scar Not Scared on Instagram, um, Michelle Elman on YouTube. My book is called Am I Ugly? And it's out on paperback now, and it should be out on Audible in about a month um and yeah that's the main things I'm up to um I post every day on my Instagram account all about I'm getting really into personal development at the moment um as in my posts are getting more like personal development based more than body positivity at the moment but it ebbs and flows and there's a
0: great mixture of things that you can find on my page yeah your page is brilliant actually different things from you know things about relationships to yeah life in general it's brilliant i went on a bit of a a relationship detour for two days where i was
1: like all i want to talk about is relationships right
0: now Mm -hmm. amazing and i'll post all those links in the show notes so people can find all those details thank you so much michelle great to chat to you you too thank you so much for listening please let me know what you think of this episode i would love to hear from you you can find me on instagram at chloe Brotherridge and you can find Michelle she's at scarred not scared just a reminder that my online program for anxiety is launching at the beginning of March 2019 so keep an eye on your emails and my Instagram if you're keen to join that and if you're not on my newsletter already you can get updates from me freebies latest blog posts and podcasts and things that I just share on email you can sign up for my free emails at karmayou.com forward slash free and I'll also send you my free anxiety-busting toolkit when you sign up there. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you're having a really great day. Lots of love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.